<laughs> that is one big pile of shit. Uh, this could be it. We may be in some multiverse where I don't even exist. Don't knock rationalization. Where would we be without it? Yes, yes. Yes, without the use. To take them, take them out, take them down. Do your, do your stuff. Life uh, finds a way. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of The Complete Works, a deep dive into the career and films of actor Jeff Goldblum. My name is Mike Smith and joining me on this journey into the wondrous world of Goldblum is my friend, co-host and fellow Goldblumaniac, Mike Tricio. How you doing today, Mike? I am doing just swell. Um, I figured out why uh, I was cursed last week. It's because it's episode 13. I didn't I didn't realize. That's why. There it is. That's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, no, this episode mm-hmm. is coming out uh, a week after it was supposed to. We kind of had to take a week off from the Goldblum podcast because of Mike's uh, internet connectivity issues that uh, yes. have plagued us in the past. Like, we've had these problems before, but this last week was just like, man, that was pretty it rough. Was, it was real bad. It's that fun uh, situation where, like, there's something faulty in something, like some hardware issue, something going on with... Uh, my internet connection uh so we call verizon like hey you know internet's out we go through this whole thing they're like okay we're gonna send a technician perfect and then they keep trying to remotely fix it and then they remotely fix it and then they cancel the technician appointment uh so the thing that's broken (laughs) is never getting fixed because it keeps breaking or stops working or whatever and then gets fixed remotely and then the guy never comes and then it happens again so we're just kind of stuck forever basically (laughs) you're in this endless time loop of uh, internet fixing that uh, you yes. can't break out of. This is rough. This is like an Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. Groundhog Day type situation Di- that you're dealing with, Mike. Direct, directed by Terry Gilliam, yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you're back now because, you know, it's, it's always good to be able to talk about Jeff Goldblum stuff. Uh, and today's episode is, I watched the thing we were watching for today like a week and a half ago at this point. Uh, and I'm, I'm worried that like some of it has left my mind already. And I'm guessing you also mm. watched it about a week ago. Correct. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. But it'll after, be fine. Yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. I think we're both professionals. We both have decent enough memories to piece together what the <laughs> other one forgets. I, th- I think if you yeah. forget a key plot detail, I'll know it. And if I forget a, a key plot detail, you'll know it. And together it'll be one whole of an episode. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's like it's a perfect puzzle piece. That's what that's it's a perfectly timed clock. This uh, this podcast thing that we're doing here. Uh, oh yeah. So Jeff Goldblum, some history. So after Invasion of the Body Snatchers became a box office hit, the public really got their first good glimpse of Jeff Goldblum in a substantial role. Hollywood took notice. Jeff Goldblum enters the 1980s, and studios began to see him as a potential lead in their projects, and that would ultimately end up in some pretty high profile film work. But before he could anchor a movie. It seemed like the idea was that Goldblum should prove himself on the small screen. He made a few TV movies in the early 80s and was the lead actor in a couple of them. But before those came to be, Goldblum got the chance to headline his own TV series from acclaimed producer Stephen J. Cannell. Uh, Now, if it was successful, this show could have run for years. It might have been the thing that Jeff Goldblum would be most associated with today. But it wasn't all that successful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The show ran for one season, consisting of 13 episodes, as a mid-season replacement show on ABC throughout the spring of 1980. This 
is 10 Speed and Brown Shoe. Tonight, 10 Speed and Brown Shoe are back on the case. Boy, that's great. With more action. Uh-huh. More adventure. Uh-huh. More danger. I know what I'm doing. We can all sleep easy now. More trouble. Are those our new clients? I like them. And more of the fun that has everyone talking. I still think this is a job for Sky King. Can you believe a guy like that? It's TV's biggest new hit. It's terrific. It's 10 Speed and Brown Shoe, tonight at 8, 7 Central on ABC. We're not interested in any deal that starts with a kidnapping. A programming Liz is missing, and his frantic sister hires 10 Speed and Brown Shoe to find him. You're saying this thing can be programmed to dissolve a company? Yes, but it would take a real programmer, the best. A genius, like Lola's brother, Norman. Exactly. Can it be stopped? Fact. Norman Marshall is missing. Fact. Harry Vernon is missing. Fact. Amelia Earhart is missing. Ten Speed in Brown Shoes, Saturday at 9, following the start of Something Big on Channel 2. Canell is one of the biggest names in television producing during this era. Throughout the 80s and 90s, he would create or co-create uh, such shows as The A-Team, The Greatest American Hero, and 21 Jump Street. But his first big hit came in 1974 when he co-created the hit series The Rockford Files, uh, which ran for six seasons. Uh, have you watched any of those shows, Mike? Uh, I mean, we're, we're both of an era... That is like basically like the era right after this, as far as as far yeah. as TV goes. Uh, I've definitely seen like an episode or two of the A Team here and there. I don't think I've ever watched like any. I, I've probably seen clips of the Twenty One Jump Street show because I liked the movies so much with Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. <laughs> but as far as these shows go, like I haven't really watched a ton of them. I know I am aware of all of them. I love the theme song to Greatest American Hero. It's one of the best theme songs of all time. But I've never actually watched the show. Um, it's. <laughs> You don't know what song I'm talking about. It's the one that goes like, believe I, it or not, I'm walking on air. Yep. I it. never thought I could be so free. That, that's the one. Flying away that's on one. a wing and a prayer. <laughs> Who could Cal- it be? Oh, no. Well, we're going to get DMCA uh, strikes. Calm, calm down, Mike. Uh, <laughs> believe it um, or not, George isn't at home. All right. Never mind. Yeah. What's it? <laughs> All right. Well, um, what were you going to say, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've, I've, I mean, I've definitely seen some A-Team. I've probably, it's probably one of those things like, I don't know, depending on what era of Nick at Night or like, you know, flipping through <laughs> past TV land, uh, I would sure. have seen an episode of some of these. Um, but I've never like, I'm going to watch all the Rockford Files. Even though that seems like a pretty good way to spend quarantine time. Just throwing it out there. I kind of regret uh, it now at this point. Yeah, exactly. So the Rockford Files ran for six seasons, and that's the show he was coming off of, uh, Stephen J. Cannell, when he decided to make his next project a comedic detective show about a guy who decides to be a private investigator teaming up with an ex-con man to solve mysteries. Uh, and that show was Ten Speed and Brown Shoe, which is a great name for a TV show. Uh, I'm Absolutely. already on board, just the title of the show alone. Uh, and it premiered just two weeks after the Rockford Files went off the air. Uh, so like wow. as soon as the, as soon as that show was off, this show was starting up, and it carried over a lot of the same creative team too. 
uh, but it just did not hit with audiences. The show was canceled after 13 episodes, but it's gained a cult audience over time. Apparently, one time, Jeff Goldblum was at a dinner party with Bill Clinton, uh, who revealed that this is one of his favorite TV shows of all time. What? <laughs> and he wished it could have lasted longer, uh, which is pretty wild. I, I like to picture Bill Clinton just hanging out at his house watching 10 Speed and Brown Shoe on a loop. <laughs> That's what, I, that's what I imagined the entire eight years of the Clinton presidency was. Just him watching <laughs> 10 Speed and Brown Shoe and then some uglier stuff towards the end. Uh, and, we don't need to get into it. Yeah. Uh, and it wouldn't take long for uh, Stephen J. Cannell to make the concept of the show work. Uh, a few years later, he actually watered down the concept a bit and sold it as another hit series, Hardcastle and McCormick, uh, which ran for like three or four seasons on, on TV. Great that name. was the... Yeah, same premise as Ten Speed and Brown Shoe, basically. Uh, just, you know, different actors and kind of like a l- little bit of a lighter tone, and suddenly it was a hit with audiences. Now, we've talked a lot about Jeff Goldblum's film career up to this point. We haven't really talked much about his TV appearances, but he did appear in a couple of small roles throughout the 70s on shows like Columbo, uh, The Blue Knight, and Starsky and Hutch. Uh, this is mostly a podcast focused on movies, and if we took the time to watch every time Jeff Goldblum made a guest appearance on a TV show we'd be here all day. He pops up in a lot of things. (laughs) But we do want to cover the major stuff, and that means TV movies. And anytime Goldblum was a main cast member of a show, which I believe has only happened three times between this show, uh, Law & Order, Criminal Intent, and uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, the new Disney Plus show, we'll probably cover those things. And since... You and I, Mike, we don't have the time to watch all 13 episodes of this show. We decided to just watch the first two, which act as a uh, kind of two-part pilot and kind of a mini-movie in its own right. Yeah. Uh, But if you do want to watch the entire series, it's available for free on YouTube right now in grainy, standard-definition form in all its glory. Uh (laughs) Love that, that VHS upload. Exactly. I think there is some kind of DVD of this show out there, but it doesn't include the pilot episode like the first two episodes uh for whatever for like there's some kind of weird rights issue where like i think maybe the network owns the rights to the pilot but stephen j cannell owns the rights to the rest of the show uh so they couldn't put like the pilot on the dvd and so the rest of the show's out there but the pilot's not i don't know a lot of weird stuff out there right now but it's available on disc in some form but you can watch the entire series on youtube right now for free uh so jeff goldblum plays lionel whitney who later gets described as brown shoe he is the titular brown shoe of 10 speed and brown shoe uh-huh. uh, yeah there you go it's not just a clever name uh he's a guy who's about to get married in a relationship that he's not sure about and he wants some excitement out of life uh he gets it when his life becomes intertwined with el turner who has the nickname 10 speed he's the other half of the title uh he's a con man trying to steal a million dollars from the mob and he's played by ben vereen who was mostly a broadway actor with shows like jesus christ superstar and pippin uh but who had recently been nominated for an emmy for his appearance in roots which had just happened a couple years earlier, uh, and in more recent years appeared on a few episodes of How I Met Your Mother and Sneaky Pete. Uh, he was also Will Smith's deadbeat dad on The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, so wow. there is that also, which uh, that's one of the that's that's one of those clips that goes around all the time with Will Smith like being all dramatic and be like, "Why don't he want me, man?" and talking to Uncle Phil and yeah. stuff. It's 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 a great episode, good show. Also making appearances here are Richard Romanus as Tedesco, who appeared in Martin Scorsese's Mean Streets, also played Melfi's husband on The Sopranos, which I've been watching recently on season two. It's really good. Larry Minetti, known for being in the main cast of Magnum PI, he plays Chip Vincent. And Robin Douglas, who had just appeared in Breaking Away as one of the uh, main romantic interests in that movie. Uh, great movie, by the way. I watched it for the first time at the Roxy Theater, which is the indie theater in my house in Missoula, Montana, about a year ago. She plays Martha Gribb, a singer who Goldblum meets and develops an attraction to. The pilot was written by Stephen J. Cannell, who also created the show. Oh, I, I completely forgot to mention, one of the henchmen is played by a guy from one of your Weird Vinegar Syndrome movies, Mike. Is that uh, correct? <laughs> 
Yes, yeah. Uh, I don't remember his name at all, but he is the uh, one of the the mob, or is it one of the Nazis? Because this movie has this <laughs> pilot has both. He's uh, one of the the like stooges for somebody, uh, and he's the serial killer in Don't Answer the Phone. All uh, right, the Vinegar Syndrome release. Great, great, great little sweaty strangler gross movie. There you uh, go. He's, here he is. He's got lines in this. Look at that. There you go. All right. The pilot was written by Stephen J. Cannell, who also created the show, and uh, both episodes were directed by E.W. Swackhammer, which is also a great name. Uh, wow. <laughs> and he was a, a pretty prolific TV director in his day, worked on shows like MASH, L.A. Law, Murder, She Wrote, Bewitched, The Partridge Family, The Flying Nun. He also directed the pilot episode of Law & Order, too, which is pretty big. Both episodes premiered on Sunday, January 27th, 1980, right after the new episode of Battlestar Galactica on ABC. Uh, and if you weren't watching it, maybe you were watching the CBS Sunday Night lineup of sitcoms that was on at the same time that included Archie Bunker's Place, One Day at a Time, Alice, The Jeffersons, and Trapper John M.D., or over on NBC, they'd be showing chips. So you got that going for you, too. Uh, wow. and, that was, and that was it. It was 1980. There were three networks, and <laughs> that was all yeah. It's a simpler time, Mike. <laughs> yep, exactly. But Ten Speed and Brown Shoe, I, I think it was really that lineup of CBS sitcoms, which has some pretty heavy hitters there, uh, including The Jeffersons and Archie Bunker and Alice. and one, like A lot of big stuff there that completely just destroyed Ten Speed and Brown Shoe in the ratings. Uh, and the IMDb plot synopsis for Ten Speed and Brown Shoe reads... A con man and an accountant wannabe private eye team up to fight crime. Uh, so, Mike, what were your uh, expectations going into Ten Speed and Brown Shoe being like, you know, kind of an old relic of 1980s TV, kind of uh, digging it out of obscurity a little bit? And what were your overall thoughts on the uh, first two episodes of the show? Um, I don't know if I really had any expectations per se, because I didn't ha- I don't know. I don't know what forgotten 1980 sitcoms uh, are like. Uh, so, you know, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I was kind of nervous. It would just be like fall very flat. And, you know, I knew it got canceled after 13 episodes and didn't wasn't a yeah. success. So I thought it would just be like an utter failure. But uh, these first two episodes are like, what, what a good little fun goof, you know, man? It's yeah. it's uh, it's just this shenanigans, fish out of water, um, out of out of the frying pan into the fire kind of deal with uh, Jeff Goldblum getting uh, wrapped up in this mob versus Nazi diamond heist plot. Uh, like what? That's incredible. <laughs> um, I love I love everything about that sentence I just said. And it's yeah. it's, it's 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 Goldblum doing his, you know, uh, nervous twitchy guy thing and and um the guy that plays 10 speed whose name you said before and i already forgot which is terrible. Uh, ben ben vereen ben vereen is his name ben vereen what a just slick motherfucker he is in this movie <laughs> or movie i mean it might as well be it is the two episodes together have a pretty long i forget i don't know if it's an hour and a half but what the runtime is on the yeah the, it's, it's the, like the yeah it's episodes. like an hour 20 hour hour and a half yeah something like that yeah so it's basically like a feature-length movie and it just him like rattling off all the different cons and characters and and slipping in and out and the the moment like uh when he goes to the airport and he changes flips his collar around to look like a priest and then changes it back and steals a pilot hat and like he does this yep. whole thing and cons his way into the cockpit which this movie is such a fun like you know look into what pre-9-11 airports were like <laughs> because a lot of it takes place in there yeah. um and they're just and waltzing air, in and out of like you know the 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 airplane and the you know the uh, the hangar and everything. Every like they go through security no problem. It's it's all over the place. Yeah. They give one guy all the guns and they're like, "We'll be right back." Uh, and they just <laughs> go into the airport like hilarious, uh, you know. And the woman busts out the full board game of Clue and they play a whole board game, like a whole game of Clue on the little folding tables. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like this is a little delight. Like as a as a one you know pilot. 
uh, you know, like a one a movie. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> a one a trip into the, just this this series for just like one thing that I don't have to worry about, like a whole series. Yeah, this was great. It was a fun little time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had a good time too. I thought it was very fun. I think it's very much an '80s TV show, but it definitely seemed like one that I would really enjoy if I were to watch past the pilot. I, I do. One thing I do like about it is it is structured like kind of like its own movie, uh, so you don't even need to watch the next eleven episodes. Uh, even though I know these characters have at least eleven more adventures after this one, they're all likely like case of the weeks type stuff, and I felt a sense of narrative closure at the end of this, even though it does kind of end with like, and now we're going to go do the actual show. Uh, right. <laughs> because it seems like after this, it feels like the show would take on a pretty different structure. It would be more of a procedural, like, hey, mystery. I'm picturing like a monk or a psych-esque type show with yeah. like just these two characters trying to solve a different crime every week. Whereas this yeah. is like, you know, kind of their origin story. Uh, and it, so in that respect, it kind of follows the formula set by a bunch of different shows in the seventies and eighties, but it feels like it goes to a lot more extremes with it. It's like this one has Nazis. Like you mentioned, it also has karate <laughs> and like all these different things, which like, like I feel like if I was making a TV show in the eighties, I'd be like, all right, first of all, you got to have some Nazis. You got to have karate. <laughs> Yeah, that would be my first two notes as a studio executive. So uh, it's as soon as the show came on and like we're fighting Nazis and Jeff Goldblum is revealed halfway through to be a karate master, (laughs) which was one of my favorite things ever. Uh, you know, that that's when I was like, all right, I, I feel like, and even when you ended up taking last week off, I was like, uh, you know, I have like an extra week of time now. Maybe I should watch a couple more episodes of 10 Speed and Brown Street just to get like a feel of the show. Didn't end up doing that, but I kind of wanted to. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. and one and one day I might. I mean, the, again, the entire series is on YouTube. I don't think it'll be taken down anytime soon because nobody knows the show exists. <laughs> so I think it's a decent thing to just uh, head to YouTube <laughs> and go to. It's 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 a, it, the first two episodes are really fun. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think if you, you know, like like we said, just kind of experiment with it. You know, watch this feature length uh, pilot. And yeah. if like you just be satisfied, because I kind of was, you know, like, sure. I, I mean, I would I think it'd be fun to watch the other ones. But I think this is enough as like a lighthearted, you know, Saturday afternoon goofy comedy thing uh, to, right. to just experience. So what did you think of Jeff Goldblum in 10 Speed and Brown Shoe, Mike? Great. I mean, love, love this dude. No wonder he becomes leading man. Uh, yeah. Almost, sort of, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, he, he is just this handsome, charming, nervous fella uh, that knows karate. Like, what more do you need in, in your lead? Uh, yeah. It is, it is and, like, and important I, to note that, like, the show makes no mention of Jeff Goldblum being a master of karate until about halfway through when he suddenly karate chops somebody. <laughs> and... <laughs> And it's like the most life because like the next scene, he's like, man, I had to use my karate on that guy. <laughs> and I, I love the recurring bit that that becomes where he's like, oh, I, you know, master says we should never use karate out of anger. <laughs> it's like it keeps coming up over and over again. Uh, yeah, great stuff. It's the best. Uh, Goldblum's performance overall, really fun, really, really charming, really, really good as a, as a sitcom lead. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense. That, like, I, like I said, I'm kind of joking that, like, oh, of course he becomes a leading man. But, like, it, I can see it there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think uh, this show is probably the biggest showcase we've had for Jeff Goldblum so far. Um, you know, like there's a couple of movies that ha- he had sort of a leading role. There was Between the Lines and stuff like that. But this is like, you know, he's actually like the lead of the show or co-lead of the show. 
Uh, and I think yeah. he's doing a great job. He completely fits the persona of this character as a sort of like nervous guy who's looking for more excitement in his life. Uh, and he and Ben Vereen are great together. He plays a great straight man to him, but he also gets in on like the wackiness at the same time. And he has his own kind of quirks and idiosyncrasies. Ben Vereen, I think, gets a lot of the bigger, broader comedy moments. But Jeff Goldblum gets a lot mm. of the more subtle stuff. Uh, so they play off each other really well. And uh, you mentioned Ben Vereen before just being like, it's so crazy to see him like dive into all these different roles uh, really, really quick. And uh, I-, I love that about the show too i think he's awesome uh have you have you ever seen the movie mystery team uh, the donald glover movie uh, it was like derek comedy yeah maybe i don't remember okay. it's a very funny movie i like that movie a lot Hank Azaria um, in that no Is i that think that you're of something else it's it's donald glover dc pearson and dominic dierkes and nope. they're like guys who when they were <laughs> when they were like nine years old they like had their own kid detective agency uh, where they would solve things like, oh, who stole the right. quarter from the windowsill or whatever, that kind of thing. Uh, but they're still doing the detective agency like in their senior year of high school, and it's not cute anymore, and they get kind of like <laughs> roped up into like a murder plot. Uh, it's a great movie, really funny. But like their dynamic in this show, Jeff Goldblum and Ben Vereen, reminded me of like two of the three characters in Mystery Team. Uh, where because Amazing. Donald Glover's whole thing in Mystery Team was that in Mystery Team was that he was the master of disguise, uh, and so and so he was always like ter- ter- trying on different personas and like trying to infiltrate things. And DC Pearson's character was like the boy genius because he had like memorized a bunch of facts in a uh, in like a dictionary once or something when he was a kid or like a trivia book. Uh, and yeah. that's what Jeff Goldblum reminded me of. He was just like, he's just like, no, like Jeff Goldblum's character knew everything about everything just randomly. And Ben Vereen yeah. was the, the master of disguise. It was great. If they had like the strongest boy in the world, it would have been the perfect show. And it would have been the <laughs> great, a great prequel to mystery team is, is all I'm saying. I was thinking of the one, the movie with Ben Stiller when they're like the superheroes, but I can't remember the name of it. Mystery men. You're thinking of mystery men. That's the one. Also a good movie. I, I do like, I do. I did like mystery men. At least when I saw it like 10 years ago, I haven't seen it since, but yeah, pretty good. I enjoyed it back then. Mystery Team, though, A plus, uh, maybe an A minus. Nice. Still really good. Really great movie. <laughs> Ten Feet and Brown Shoe, solid B. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, h- how do you think this role fits into the roles that we've seen Jeff Goldblum play so far, Mike? Um, I mean, it's kind of uh, unique in that it's the like you mentioned, it's the one where he's the most prominent. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the co-lead of the show. Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of an extension of next stop Greenwich village, but not really. I, I don't know. I feel like, uh, this, that, that, that character felt, felt much more confident than I think, uh, Brown shoe feels, uh, right. <laughs> here at in, least at the beginning of the show movie. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think what's interesting about this show is that it doesn't really feel like it's of a piece with any of his roles. It almost feels like it's playing against a lot of the roles that he's played up to this point. Uh, like he began his career playing criminals in like death wish and special delivery and St. Ives. Now he's the guy working to catch, the criminals in this show look at that um and then he's also he's had like three there's been like three kind of like showcasey go bloom roles right between like between the lines thank god it's friday and body snatchers i feel like those are like the three that like had like the biggest most prominent go bloom stuff and in yeah. two of those movies he's like a cool dude who's great with ladies uh and this one feels like <laughs> the opposite where he's like trapped in a relationship he hates uh doesn't know how to get out of it while he secretly develops feelings for someone else and that kind of thing i i think uh, i pre- so i appreciate this show as being like hey it's go bloom trying something like the opposite of the stuff he's been doing before yeah definitely that that one scene uh when his uh, you know soon-to-be father-in-law is like well i've decided on what your career will be uh, right <laughs> like it just completely undercuts him as a character uh, and especially like you said uh compared to all the other ones where you know, thank God it's Friday where he's the the cool ladies man that's banging all the chicks at the club or whatever. Um, yep. Here he's just kind of trapped. So what are the moments or scenes in Ten Feet and Brown Shoe that stood out to you, Mike? 
Uh, I mean, the, the one that I mentioned already was the clue. Like, just as this small little stupid detail, when they just bust out the full board game of Clue on the on the flight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like as a what the fuck? And what they keep bringing it up. Like they, they keep bringing 19... it up too, like throughout the show. Like every t- every time yeah. they say, like, "Oh man, that was a great game of Clue that we played earlier." Was <laughs> or something like that. Or like I, they mentioned. Like, I did like um, when they're getting like interrogated by the Nazis, or maybe it was the mob or whatever. Yeah, the guys the like. Like, they kept talking about this man named Plum or whatever, <laughs> or something <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> that's um, what I was going to say. Yeah, uh, that, that's a fun recurring bit. But, uh, I mean, right at the outset, 10-speed uh, pulling off the, the money heist, uh, you know, yeah. robbing the bank, uh, pretending to be the, uh, f- I forget what he, the FBI seizing this mobster's money. I forget what his yeah. con is. Right. He's like, uh, see, yeah, because the, the mobsters are trying, and it's weird, like the show, like the plot of the show the actual like meat of the plot is like surprisingly complex where it's like, there's a lot of different things you got to follow because <laughs> there's like the Nazis who have their money. Right. And they're right. trying to make a trade off with the mob. I think the mob who's supposed to give the Nazis a million dollars in exchange for diamonds. I think yeah, is something the along those mob, lines. The mob fenced Nazi diamonds and kept the money. They didn't pay the Nazis back. Right. Now the Nazis want their money back. So the Nazis want the money back, and E.L. Turner, Ben Vereen, steals the money from the mob. So the mob is trying to get him to get the money back so they can pay back the Nazis. Uh, I believe. Right. I, I think that's basically the plot of the show. Uh, and I mean, literally, as soon as the show starts and it opens on Nazis in Paraguay, I was like, whoa, this is not the <laughs> yeah. show I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> is this the right 10 speed and brown shoe exactly. <laughs> what is happening exactly and i love like the nazi says something like nobody will stand in our way and then we cut to el turner who steals yeah. who's you know stealing the money from the mob and uh you know he takes the money from the bank and the mob the mob starts like chasing him down and they we get that sweet 80s tv car chase through the streets of san francisco oh uh, hell yeah <laughs> i saw a bullet exactly <laughs> uh and it's you know the same like i feel like every like cop show that had like an 80s pilot probably has that exact same car chase in it at at some point throughout it's one of those things where it's like it's not like a particularly like great car chase but it's just one that was like yeah it's a car chase and it's happening and it's in san francisco this is fun uh there's funky music i'm into it yeah exactly uh so that car chase is happening and during that car chase that's when we meet jeff goldblum who's reading a detective story in his hotel room uh and he's like kind of and he's like doing the voiceover in his head i forgot the detective the character's name um, but it was really good. I like, it was a good, like yeah. fake detective. Oh, Mark Savage was the, uh, <laughs> was, the was the detective's name. Uh, and he like do kind of doing like the noir voiceover in his head. And he's like fantasizing about what it would be like to be a real, you know, detective and things like that. Uh, and then we kind of get like roped into his family situation and he's marrying this girl named bunny and we see her and she's like, you know, just kind of like clingy and annoying to him. And her parents are like trying to dictate his entire life and they're about to get married and that kind of thing. And it's like, Hmm, I bet this doesn't last at the end of the episode. And it doesn't, uh, <laughs> Wow, never saw that coming. Exactly. But yeah, then that's when you get the whole like thing where EL's like disguising himself on the flight and you know, he's going through he's like the priest for a minute and then he's like the the security guard or whatever. He goes through like three different disguises in the course of like five minutes. Uh yeah. and he makes his way to the cockpit. Um and I also I also love there's like a cool like when he gets on the he gets he disguises himself as a priest, gets on the flight, he's in the cockpit, and then he starts going through Goldblum's bag while they're mm-hmm. on the flight together, and um he sees like a book in the bag and the book that says the author is Stephen J. Cannell, who's the creator of the show. 
Oh, I didn't catch that. That's nice. Nice nice little Easter egg there. So that's pretty cool. Then that's the scene where uh, Martha Gribb sits down next to Goldblum. The two kind of hit it off. They play Clue, which uh, they'd say is much better than chess. Uh, (laughs) That's like one thing. There's like I think they also had a chess board with them. Like they also how like how many like board giant board games were they able to bring? on airplanes at this point in time it's kind there, of there was no rules mike you could have more than three fluid ounces of something and an entire board game you could have more than three fluid ounces of clue at any given time <laughs> yeah it's the wild west of air travel so she invites him to her show she's like a singer and he's like oh i would love to but it's at the same time as my rehearsal dinner for my fiance who i hate uh <laughs> <laughs> It's basically what he's is what he's saying. He's like the entire the entire like first half of the show, the first episode is just him being like, hmm, <laughs> do, like do I want to like marry this woman or whatever, right? And he like ha- he has that conversation with like three or four different people where he's like, uh, do you think the girl ever like becomes like the mother later on in life or that kind of thing? He say, he like has right. that conversation with uh, with Ten Speed or El El Turner. But yeah, so that, then he pretends to be Goldblum's limo driver, which right. is fun. And you know, they're leaving the airport, and he smacks the guy with Goldblum's bag as they're as they're approaching. <laughs> like the like the mob like spots them, and El's like, "Oh no!" And he like has Goldblum's bag, and he smacks him while no one else is looking, and they drive off, uh, which is pretty great. And then there's a limo car chase, which is also fun. <laughs> there's a lot Love of car it. chases in this show. What was your favorite car chase, Mike? <laughs> was it the San Francisco one <laughs> or this limo one? Or was it the one at the um, end of the, uh, of the show? Um, I want to say it's the limo one, but I think it's it's uh, yeah, it's the limo one. Kind of at the after he drops everybody off uh, when Goldblum has to use his karate the first time. Sure. Because uh, he's like, oh, you can drive me back to my house. I think they drop his wife's family off, her fiance's family off, and they're going to Goldblum's. And the mob catches up to them, and there's this, another big car chase. <laughs> uh, and it ends up they're like in an alley, and they can't get out, and all this stuff, and they they right. ditch the car kind of deal. And the mob guys uh, catch up to Goldblum, who's just, like, bewildered, has no idea what's going on. Uh, and he just, like, karate chops some dude, and he goes down in one hit. And yep. like, great. And then we the establish the whole <laughs> the whole karate thing. Yes. I think that's the guy. The guy he karate chops, I think, is the one of the is the guy from uh, Don't Answer the Phone. Oh, really? I okay. forget which. I think that's who it was. I don't remember off the top of my head. Exactly. Gotcha. But I think that's when I noticed. And I was like, oh, shit, wait a second. I know that guy. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, and then that comes up a couple more times where where Goldblum gets cornered and uh, he's a karate master, I guess, <laughs> just right. is able to whip the ass of all these mob dudes. It was my favorite. Just the fact that they didn't reveal that at all. Like, there's no inkling of him possibly knowing karate up until that moment, no. and then suddenly karate chop, and then you it takes like another scene for you to be like, oh, he's a, he takes karate or whatever, <laughs> like. Yeah. Like it almost it almost well, plays think, off as like a fluke when it first happens. Yeah, yeah, and he has this like like he has this weird right. like scream he makes <laughs> when he does it. Um, and then later, and then like the next scene or whatever, he's talking to his best man, who's like, "Oh, hey man, like the uh, the rehearsal dinner. What's going on? Welcome, you're all sweaty." Right. Uh, kind of, and he explains what happened, uh, which is where he drops the information that right. oh, you know, this, uh, Sensei says we should never use uh, karate out of anger, and I did. And what am I gonna do? <laughs> Um, great love it and uh, and anytime that happens i was so happy yeah the same i mean it's the best this is a show in which jeff goldblum karate chops nazis multiple times how is this not a hit i don't understand (laughs) i don't get it (laughs) i mean if you say that sentence on paper you're like that show should run seven seasons (laughs) like that doesn't make any kind of sense how it only ran 13 episodes but you know audience is 1980 man they're they're too busy watching uh the jeffersons couldn't couldn't make time for old 10 speed and brown shoe uh, they weren't which, ready, which is a shame. Uh, they were moving on up to another channel. Uh, anyway, 
so there's that limo car chase. It's awesome. And then, you know, EL and Goldblum, they get separated. EL uh, disguises himself as a construction worker, uh, which is pretty funny. He, like, kind of goes <laughs> he goes up the scaffolding. And he's like, here's five bucks. Give me your lunch. And he, like, takes a bite into it. And, like, the guys, like, look away. Uh, and then, he, like, it's, like, it's, like, the obvious place where, like, it definitely went to commercial at this point in time where he's like, what is in this? He's like, peanut butter and sardines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and he makes like a sour face to the camera I was like oh man uh, and then yeah Goldblum drives off with the limo to his best man's house uh, and while and he kind of drops the karate info the best man also accidentally implies that he and Bunny uh, used to sleep together at some point in time uh, which also kind of and like a lot right <laughs> which also makes Goldblum be like oh what uh, or whatever uh, and then Goldblum gets arrested for stealing the limo but the cops right. like find him and they arrest him and so the next thing you see is EL pretending to be Goldblum's attorney get him, get him out of there uh, and Goldblum goes to Martha's show instead of the rehearsal dinner uh, so the, uh, up to this point where are you at with the show Mike like are you you're, are you fully invested in the saga of 10 speed and brown shoe you want to know what happens uh, with old EL Turner and Uh-oh. Lionel Whitney I think uh, I think kind of at this point when El shows up uh, and pretends to be his lawyer and gets him out of out of uh, jail uh, is just so funny and that was kind of where yeah. I was like oh okay all right I think I'm in for sure now uh, because he's in they're in like the you know the visitation room or whatever and there's like a ton of other people there and Goldblum is like shouting and he's like arrest him like he's trying to get the guard yes. to arrest his lawyer and all this stuff. Uh, and then, and, and that's kind of where EL, you know, he's just so smooth, baby. He's kind of going through all the things here at this point. And yeah. And then the, the scene right after that, like right after they get out of, you know, he gets him out of prison and, and he's trying to explain to Goldblum why he's, why this is happening. And he right. just keeps coming up with more and more cons. And he's like, well, my daughter's sick and, uh, okay, well, you know, my wife's in jail or whatever it is. And he just keeps trying to figure out reasons to get Goldblum to go along with it. Yep. And I was just like, okay, I'm along for the ride now. Like, this yeah, is a lot exactly. of fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I loved how funny this show was. It almost felt it felt like, you know, I'm not saying it was a direct influence on, like, the USA-type shows, like Monk and Psych, but it definitely feels like it might have been, like, the careers of those shows uh, might have just been like, hey, Ten Speed and Brown Shoe, that was a good thing. Let's uh, let's kind of take the, <laughs> the funniness and the pr- procedural elements of that thing, kind of just put it into the dynamic here. Like, Ten Speed and Brown Shoe kind of remind me of Sean and Gus a little bit from Psych. Um, oh yeah, Sean, Sean and Gus are Sean and Gus. I think are much goofier, and they kind of flip the roles. Whereas like Gus is more of the straight man, and Sean's like kind of the wacky one. Speaking of somebody who only watched like three seasons of Psych ten years ago, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you got it. Oh, yeah, but I'm not the Psych super super fan that you are. Is what I'm saying. But uh, <laughs> but like Ten Speed and Brown Shoe, and like Sean and Gus, and. Uh, in Psych, and you know, kind of the same thing with Monk, and all, all, all those USA shows were kind of the same for a little while. It was like all the like the weird, the quirky mm-hmm. detective trying to solve a mystery, uh, and that kind of thing. I feel like they all kind of owe a debt to Ten Speed and Brown Shoe a little bit. This show kind of like feels like even though it was like canceled before its time or whatever, it kind of paved the way for some interesting stuff down the line. But, yeah, I think this uh, this uh, showrunner whose name I forgot already, Stuart something, no. uh, Stephen J. Cannell. Stephen J. Cannell, that's the yes. guy. Uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like he had a, uh, a pretty distinct, uh, mark on sitcom TV, even, you know, like you're saying now, like in modern, modern stuff. Uh, that's yeah, pretty cool. Totally. Uh, I, I wouldn't say sitcom. I feel like this is like, he's more of like a drama guy or uh, like drama in the sense of like, it's a team and like 21 jumps, like they're fun shows, I guess, but okay. they're not, but I wouldn't yeah. really call them sitcom because sitcom I associate with like comedy stuff. And this is like, it's, I would say this is more of a comedy than a drama, but it's also like. You know, it's an hour-long show. It's trying to be, like, sort of an action-y type thing. Uh, so I don't know if sitcom is the True. right word. But definitely, like, you know, uh, procedural TV, Co- let's say. Uh, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> throw Procedural that comedy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Some kind of situational comedy, <laughs> perhaps. Right, exactly. 
a sitcom, if you will. Oh, no, wait. All right. Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, E.L. pretends to be Goldblum's attorney. Goldblum leaves and decides not to go to his rehearsal dinner and instead goes to Martha's show. Uh, and so that's when they're at, they're at the table. And then two guys sit down at the table with them, uh, point a gun, kidnap them. Because uh, the guy thinks that Goldblum has the cash that E.L. actually has. And they make him go to the wedding rehearsal where they think the cash is. Uh, they replace the priest with one of their own guys. Like they knock out the priest, and the priest has a the fake priest has a gun, and he's about to shoot at them. And then El tackles the priest, who's about to fire a gun, and a big shootout happens in the church. And Goldblum <laughs> gets some more karate in. <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that that whole thing reminded me of uh, that movie I talked about. I think uh, I think I used it as a discussion within the last couple months, but uh, Massacre Mafia style. Uh, which is just some random little like violent exploitation movie with uh, I forget the the lead's name, but he was like one of those like Italian lounge singer guys who like branched into making independent <laughs> violent right. crime movies. But there's shit like this in that movie where it's just like, especially because that the guy the fake priest is one of the mob dudes, right. uh, where it's just like ha and like all of a sudden we're just having a big shootout at this family gathering and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, that was so much fun. That was out of control, and and the the moment when. Uh, I think it's El finds the actual priest. Like he hears him, like in a cabinet somewhere. He opens the the door, and he's like, uh, "And who are you?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm Father Joe." And he's like, "Oh no!" And like they <laughs> runs back to the main room of the church where the shootout erupts. Yes. What a goof! It's the best. I love it. I, yeah, I love that. Like just the the insanity that this show goes to, and I'm sure because the pilot maybe had a bigger budget than the rest of the show. Like I'm guessing, right? Like after this point, the show probably settles into a pretty comfortable groove of a procedural type deal, uh, especially it being the '80s and stuff. Like I'm sure there's not much of an overarching story, and it's just case of the week that kind of thing. But like they really went all out for this pilot episode of the show, uh, and just having that like big church shootout is a ton of fun, and getting Goldblum in there with his karate, and they chasing the the uh, the Nazis or is it the Nazis? No, it's the mob who's shooting at them in the church. Um, because the Nazis yeah. are going to arrive on the plane later, like the next day or something like that. Um, yeah. So they, they kind of drive all the people out of the church and then Goldblum and E.L. kind of have a fight uh, after Goldblum has karate chopped like two more Nazi, or two more mob guys. Uh, and then Goldblum has like a great line where he's like, I'm going to stop those Nazis. And there's like an intense zoom on his face. Like the camera like zooms in when he yeah. says it. Uh, and it's really great. And I really believe that Jeff Goldblum's going to stop those Nazis. I'm very excited about it. Uh, yeah. So, I... And, I yeah, definitely we're... thought that was going to be like the like freeze frame end of the episode moment because it's oh, like yeah. he's got like this big monologue or not a big monologue, but he's got this whole thing about how like I've always you know given up my whole life. I've been walked, stepped all over. Right. Uh, but I'm a not 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 this time. And then that like <laughs> smash zoom thing. And I was like, holy shit, what's going on? Yeah, that is and the one thing about, more. That is the one thing about this pilot is I felt like there was more story to tell a little bit. Like it feels like it, you know, builds and builds. And then the climax of it happens in like the last five minutes of the episode. And then it just like really quickly happens. And then it's over. Yeah. Uh, which is fun in its own way. Cause it's just like, Oh man, look at how crazy this, st- this stuff is going on. And then there's like a little bit of a coda where they're like, and now we're going to be 10 speed and brown shoe. Right. But otherwise it's like, it just, it happens really quickly towards the end. Like I remember checking the time and seeing that there was only like eight minutes left when I was like watching it and being like, how could they possibly get all they need to do done in the next eight minutes? <laughs> It's because at that point, <laughs> I see them pull this off. I don't think they'd even like driven onto the soccer field yet that they were supposed to be going to at that point in time. <laughs> Which I don't is, like, remember. The big, the big climax of the move of uh, the show. Uh, so yeah, but so Goldblum decides to stop the Nazis. They go to the airport where the Nazis are supposed to be landing. The, the Nazis are going to be hiding among this Argentinian soccer team. 
Uh, I believe that's right. their plan. So they're going to kind of just ease their way through the airport because, again, it's a lot easier to just sneak through the airport in 1980 uh, than, <laughs> than it is later on in life. Uh, so Goldblum uh, tries to explain the situation to a cop who doesn't believe him. Uh, and he and he and El have this like kind of argument, like they're not going to believe you. And, he, and like this, like think about the sentence you're saying, and think about how plausible it is. <laughs> and Goldblum's like, when I try, I can be very plausible. And he <laughs> he goes to the cop and realizes that it's not going to work. And so as soon as he leaves, he gets taken away by two guys who bring him onto the Nazi bus. I I love uh, right before that when when Goldblum has the realization of like how they're going to sneak it through customs. Uh, it, they drop the the reveal that he's like a world champion pistol shooter or whatever. Like, had, <laughs> like that's how he knows how custom works with yep. the sports team. Uh, like, yeah, okay, why not? Right, because that's the thing. Goldblum knows everything in the show. <laughs> right. In the show, there's nothing in the show that Goldblum doesn't know, and there's nobody in the show that uh, Ten Speed can't con. And together, they're an unstoppable duo. It's great. Uh, again, <laughs> yeah. per- perfect show. It's got. Nazis getting karate chopped. What more do you want out of a program? So uh, e- so Jeff Goldblum gets taken hostage, and he's on the bus filled with all the Nazis. And then E.L. Uh, kind of tricks the bus driver into getting off the bus, and he replaces the bus driver. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he tells Martha to follow in the car because she has the money. Uh, and at this, up to this point, I think it seems like E.L. has been trying to hold on to the money as best he can. Like He really wants to keep that million dollars, uh, if possible. But he's decided to sacrifice it to save Brown Shoe's life. And so they bring the bus onto the racetrack where the soccer team, or I guess it's the racing team. It must be the racing team because it's a racetrack. Um, or that makes sense. <laughs> whatever. But they get to the racetrack, and they're getting there, and Martha's um, driving behind them. And she starts tossing the money out of the car. And uh, people start running from the streets, uh, or running from the stands, and they start swarming and stuff like that. They're trying to grab the money. And so the Nazis try to escape. But then Ten Speed and Brown Shoe beat them up. And then that's basically the end of the show. <laughs> Again, it happens really fast. <laughs> Yeah, more more karate, and then we get that that fun little uh, you know that little el attempt at a con when all the cops show up, right? And he's like, oh yes, uh, Sergeant George with uh, track security here. Uh, like I just like he's so desperate to get out. Uh, <laughs> love it, Lo- love every time, love every con that el play, play yeah. pulls. A plus stuff. Yeah, it felt like um, it, it sort of felt like you know the Uma Thurman the Uma Thurman monologue in Pulp Fiction where she's describing Fox Force Five, uh, the TV show that yeah. she shot. Uh, yeah. And it's like every week I would tell a joke and it would be a whole thing. Like my grandfather was an old vaudevillian and stuff like that. And it almost feels like with this show, every week E.L. Turner is going to have a new con to play on people and that kind of thing. And like, yeah. or Jeff Goldblum's going to have a new wacky fact that he, that's going to help him out in a dire situation. That kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's great TV in the eighties. It's a fun time. Uh, and so Love the, it. the Nazis try to escape. Goldblum and Vereen beat them up. The cops get the guy from the mob at the same time. And then they all kind of end up in jail. Uh, Goldblum and E.L. are in jail together. As they come out, Goldblum says he's going to start his own detective agency and E.L. should work for him. Uh, and they're like, all right, that sounds like a good idea for a TV show. And then <laughs> and then uh, they kind of get on the bus. The show ends with the inmates uh, watching Goldblum read another Mark Savage book. He's like reading it out loud. <laughs> and uh, yeah. then credits start to roll. That's the end of uh, the pilot episode of 10 speed and brown shoe it's a it's a fun little the graduate ending you know where yeah. it's like the two of them sitting on the back of the, the back i thought of that of too bus. actually yeah <laughs> but being stared um, at by prisoners yeah it was great. yeah it's, you know the same thing as the graduate um <laughs> and uh yeah i really i really uh, couldn't help but think of one of the bits i think it was in season six or five of community uh, where they started just ending the episodes of Community on fake <laughs> sitcom titles. Yes. Uh, and there's one where it's 
where it's uh, like Jeff and it's like wingman and and I forget who the person he's with. Right. I think I think it's whoever, Keith da- I think it's Keith David's character in the in season six or whatever. Yeah. It's like wingman heat wave or something like that. Or like something along, something along like those lines. That. Yeah. <laughs> and then that Eric Clapton song, it's in the like it's in the way that you use it or whatever starts playing. Like <laughs> that's exactly what I thought was gonna happen at the yes. end of this, uh, this episode. Which was also that song was also expertly utilized on Rick and Morty a couple weeks ago. Uh it was incredible. I think Dan Harmon's obsessed with that Eric Clapton song. <laughs> yeah, they used to they used to do it a lot on Harmontown, uh, where they? Jeff Davis they would just end end their extended long improv bits with just it's in the way that you use. It's great, love it. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, this the ending of this also kind of re- reminded me of the ending of the Nice Guys, also um, where you know Russell Crowe, <laughs> where Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling come together, and it's just like uh, like you know the entire movie is them like you know kind of meeting and their origin and how they got together, and then the very end is like they open up a detective agency together. Sense being a brown shoe. It's the exact thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. At least he's it, drinking again. At least he's drinking again, which is one of the best lines ever in any movie. It's great. <laughs> we should watch The Nice Guys again. That's like, yeah, we're in quarantine right. times. We, we're starved for bonus content of our shows. Let's just throw out a Nice Guys review. We already reviewed <laughs> Let it Let me once. just adjust my, <laughs> my Mike Makes Mike Watch uh, list for our upcoming episode. <laughs> Uh, all right, but that is the end of Ten Speed and Brown Shoe, and I don't have any letterbox reviews because it's not a movie, so there's no letterbox reviews. Uh, <laughs> Look at that. Uh, yeah, so there you go. So, any other final thoughts on the show, Mike, before we start to wrapping this thing up? Um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a pleasant little uh, delight, you know. If, if you watch this uh, hour and a half, suffer through the VHS quality because it is a little rough uh, at some parts, yeah, especially is. the stuff at night where it's like I have yes. no idea what's happening. Yeah, I can like <laughs> um, vaguely make out Jeff Goldblum's hair, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah yeah give it a little give it a little watch it's an hour and a half or whatever hour and 20 minutes it's it's a fun little like i said saturday afternoon board uh kind of thing and like you said the whole season is up on youtube if you feel so inclined go ahead yeah there you go i also really enjoyed this show i think you know under if i had more time on my hands if i wasn't already deep into my sopranos watch maybe i would give 10 speed and branch you like i would watch the rest of the show because um, it is only 11 more episodes, and uh, I, I think I would really enjoy it. Like, it seems like something I would really have fun with. Yeah. Um, but if you're just going to watch the first two episodes, the pilot does end in a way where it's like, all right, that's a satisfying enough ending to this story. Uh, and it leaves it open for more adventures, as you would imagine. But, it, like, it's solid, like, ending to the story that this first two episodes are telling. Uh, so, yeah, 10 Speed and Brown Shoe. Thumbs up on the old Jeff Goldblum podcast. Uh, Look at that. So there you go. All right. That's going to be the end of this week's episode. Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can find me online at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Almost mixed those up. I should really streamline those. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to The Complete Works. One day. One day. Uh, I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike DeCrecio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, hit us up at Jeff Goldblum Complete Works at gmail.com or uh, follow us on Twitter at Goldblum Pod. And you can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside the Review Zoo, a podcast about comic books and movie news and all that nerdy stuff. And there's some copy for another thing that I should be reading right now. And I forgot to put it into our actual copy, but here we go. <laughs> RapturePress.com has launched a new podcast called uh, Kickstart My, where host uh, Andrew McDonald looks for interesting campaigns that he deserves, that they think. That, 
that he thinks they deserve. That's his fault. That's a typo. Uh, that he <laughs> thinks they deserve more attention to fulfill their crowdfunding dreams uh, from short films, independent games, comic books, cool kick-ass tech that we hope actually gets made. Andrew dives deep with the creators to find out who they are, what they're trying to accomplish, and why people should give a damn. First episode is live on RapturePress.com. You can find it now on Spotify. First episode spotlights Welcome to Oneg, a short film that takes place at a supernatural fast food restaurant for things that go bump in the night. Uh, Kickstart My Episode 1 is available now. And uh, that actually sounds like a really cool short film. Uh, so definitely yeah. check that out and contribute to those Kickstarters too. We got the uh, links in the description of those podcasts and all that stuff. All right, there we go. There's our stat. There's our ad copy for another thing that we were required to read. Here we go back to our stuff. Our theme song <laughs> was created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at Kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. Join us next week on The Complete Works, uh, where Goldblum goes from headlining his own TV show to playing the lead role in a TV movie. Uh, we're talking 1980s The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which uh, I've heard okay things about. Uh, I don't know. Uh, right. I mean, All right. it's Jeff Goldblum playing Ichabod Crane. I'm interested. In what? Any... Hell yes. Yeah, yeah you didn't know that? <laughs> <laughs> no uh, well you know I, at this kind of point in his career it could be it, anything goes he could sure. be he could, sleepy hollow resident four or he could be ichabod crane we don't know <laughs> the, or, or it could be the lead role in a totally different legend of sleepy hollow <laughs> it could be yeah, something who knows? Uh, completely we'll unrelated know. to the headless horseman stuff it's the it's the legend about of the, the headless other guy porchman <laughs> Yes. The guy who builds porches and he's got no head. Exactly. Uh, well, you know, Sleepy Hollow, crazy shit happens. Yep, exactly. Jeff Goldblum fights that guy. It's going to be great. Uh, I'm actually, I, I realized, you know, as we were getting up to this, uh, I had never seen Tim Burton's version of Sleepy Hollow. Which, really? Yeah, and I've seen most of Tim Burton's movies. I just never got around to watching Sleepy Hollow. So I got that version of Sleepy Hollow through my Netflix disc plan recently, too. So I'm going to watch that and watch The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the, the Jeff Goldblum one. And I'll have like a compare and contrast situation going on. Very excited about it. Nice. Uh, but all right. Uh, and on this week's Mike and Mike quarantine bonus up, uh, last week we ranked all the Star Wars movies, which Mike was unfortunately absent for, but he did send in a list. Uh, go check that out if you haven't yet, and we'll be doing some uh, bonus discussions on our next episode. So thanks so much for listening, guys, and remember to go for the Gold Bloom. Gold Bloom.